0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dr. Michael Warner is medical director of critical care at Michael Garron Hospital in Toronto. A patient of Dr. Warner's in her 40s has just died of COVID, and her circumstances really point, those circumstances point to what we have heard in the past about essential workers and vaccination. Dr. Warner, thank you very much for making the time for us, and what are the could you just tell our listeners across the country about the circumstance which led to your now deceased patient contracting COVID?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for uh, giving me the forum to share this important story that I'm doing, so with permission from the family. Uh, so my patient, as you mentioned, uh, died yesterday. She was in her mid-40s, Her husband is a factory worker in the Toronto area. This is a a family of new Canadians. And uh, the factory that he works at had an outbreak of COVID, but that outbreak was not on his shift. He was working, I believe, the night shift, and it was on the the day shift. So he was told to go to work. And uh, so he went to work because he thought that that would be safe based on what his employer was telling him. Even if he didn't want to go to work, he would not have been granted paid time off to get a COVID test because that's the big gap in our paid sick leave policy. Once you get COVID, most employers will provide two weeks' time off. But if you're feeling unwell or if you don't want to go to work to get a test for some other reason, there's no paid time off. Well, he did get COVID uh, with the UK variant, and so did his entire shift, and so did his entire family, including his wife. And uh, his wife was admitted to our hospital, And uh, when she was first admitted, all she needed was oxygen. Two days later, we intubated her. The next day, we proned her. That means she had to lie on her belly, uh, paralyzed and sedated. And then uh, on Friday, um, the team from Toronto General Hospital, a quaternary care centre, came to our hospital. We had a total of 17 people working on her for three hours to get her on a heart-lung machine, also known as an ECMO machine. We almost lost her. I've never had a patient so close to dying in my hands, but we were able to save her and transfer her to Toronto General, where she passed away uh, 24 hours later. And uh, in my view, her death uh, is completely preventable.
0: It's heartbreaking to hear this, absolutely heartbreaking to hear this. And her family um, didn't have an opportunity to speak with her over the last, and be with her over the last several days of her life.
1: No, uh, unfortunately, they, they got to hear from me over and over again as I was explaining to them how she was deteriorating. And it would be me calling and, and speaking to her husband, for whom English was not his first language, and having their, their young daughter you know, translate the medical situation of her own mother to her father. And, and I can only tell you how, I mean, how brave she is and how brave she was. The only way that they could interact with her was through a Zoom meeting, we stand up an iPad in front of her body. She's not able to interact with them because she's sedated and paralyzed, and all they can do is, is speak and pray and and watch. And they will never see her again. And it's just such a tragedy. Yeah,
0: Dr. Warner, talk to us, please, about uh, the essential workers in this country and prioritizing them for vaccine.
1: So there's nothing more important right now in terms of helping Canada and Canadians get through wave three, then targeting vaccination to the people who are dying from COVID. And right it's the same people from wave one and wave two, racialized, marginalized, high exposure risk essential workers, except now they're younger. We vaccinated our long-term care home residents, which was the right decision. We vaccinated you know, those over 80 in our community, but now those who can limit their exposure risk there are lots of people with means in Canada who can. They're not the ones who should be vaccinated, even if they're elderly. While we have limited supply, those who work these high-risk jobs in congregate settings need to be vaccinated. Because when they get COVID, as demonstrated by the story, it's not just their fam- them that are, is affected. It's their entire family. They often live in apartment buildings, you know, multi-generational homes, and it just rips right through. And the variants are so much more transmissible. You have to bring the hoses to where the fire is. And the fire... Is in the postal codes that are the least well off in our major cities,
0: and this situation, given the current reality and the current procedures, can repeat itself time after time after time.
1: So I, you know, I have nine COVID patients in my ICU right now, um, and uh, all of them are either essential workers themselves or related, you know, tangentially to some type of essential work. Whether it be a PSW who is taking care of them, whether it's they're a rideshare driver, or they work a checkout counter at a dollar store, you know these are the people who are getting nailed, and through no fault of their own, right? They can't, you can't minimize your exposure risk when you're exposed to people over and over again. And so we need to bring the vaccines to the factories, and we need to be doing rapid testing in these factories so that workers, when they go on shift, aren't put in a position where they're vulnerable.
0: If this does not happen. If this does not take place, if this reality does not quickly take place, what are we facing?
1: So wave three is bad. It's really bad. Uh, I'm I'm really fearful for what's coming because the die is cast. You know, for the next two to four weeks anyway, because uh, the infections are being acquired right now while we have quite a bit of um, liberty. I guess I'm not sure that's the right word, but there's lots of interaction happening in Ontario among strangers in indoor, unventilated places. Uh, because all non-essential retail is open, even though we've entered the shutdown zone, so the so it's still transmitting all the time, and you know we're going to exceed 500 COVID ICU patients in Ontario probably Tuesday or Wednesday. We're at 467 today. Uh, I could see us exceeding 600 or 700 the way things are going, unless a true stay-at-home order is implemented. But it's going to be the same people who are going to end up in the ICU uh, from the same neighborhoods, the same ethnic. Um, background uh, with the same jobs as we've seen time and time again.
0: People will hear numbers like 410 uh, patients in ICUs, 500 you said could be reaching 600, but it's difficult to uh, to look at that number from a uh, greater context or greater number of population base and and, and, I, and understand what, what that number actually means. What is What does it mean? What's going on in your ICU at Michael Garan?
1: Yeah, so, so I think at this point, numbers probably don't mean anything to people because we've heard so many numbers, which is why the opportunity to speak about this patient is so important because it makes it real. But in terms of resources, so... Um, sorry, I'm just listening to an overhead page because I am actually at work. This is... Um, the,
0: uh,
1: the issues in the hospital is that we don't have enough staff to staff the beds that we have. Uh, so we have to there are beds on paper, because the government has invested in ventilators and equipment. Uh, right now, I can't staff additional beds in my ICU today because I don't have nurses available, and that's a, a problem across the system. Uh, we're delaying and deferring lots of non-COVID related care that has such profound costs in other ways to patients. We will have to shut that down, you know, except for emergencies, to be able to deal with what's coming. Because a COVID patient is also far more intense than the average ICU patient, as demonstrated by the patient story I just told, where seventeen of us had to resuscitate her for three mm-hmm. hours from two hospitals.
0: Uh, we we have a minute, uh, Dr. Warner. The the impact on healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, uh, the staff uh, must be it was just immense.
1: Yeah, I think only when this is over will I fully understand what this has been like. I mean, we're. St- I feel more in the middle of this than ever, because wave one, we were scared because we didn't know what was coming. Wave two, we kind of knew what it would feel like, and it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. Wave three is far worse than we expected, and it's going to get much worse than it is now. So uh, we're still in the thick of it. And, uh, you know, this is our job to help people. But, uh, you know, when we're at work, it's COVID, and when we go home, it's COVID, because it's COVID for everybody all the time. I think, you know, if you have a health care worker in your circle of friends or family, just check in on them uh, because uh, a lot of people are, are quite worn out.
0: And get it uh, vaccinating the essential workers. As you said, uh, take the fire hose to the fire. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green.